Heart-Centered Leadership, an exclusive interview with Lindsay Dowd, founder of Heartbeat for Hire. Join us in this enlightening conversation with Lindsay Dowd, the remarkable founder of Heartbeat for Hire. Lindsay delves deep into her journey of self-discovery, asking herself three critical questions that led to the birth of her company. She discusses how realizing her strengths passions, and capacity to help others result in her mission to build leaders and create a culture that not only values the heart, but drives results. In this interview, we also explore her unique take on micromanagement and offer valuable insights for leaders seeking to shift towards a more heart-centered approach. This is an essential watch for anyone eager to enhance their leadership skills, foster a positive work environment, and make a meaningful impact on their team. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while. We invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. I am so excited to share a little bit more about the guests that we have today. Lindsay Dowd is a distinguished speaker speaker, and business coach with over 25 years of sales and leadership experience, including 23 years with IBM. She's passionate about transforming leadership and fostering positive cultures. She has received numerous accolades, including the 2023 Award for Innovation and Excellence, and was named Business Coach of the Year. She's authored the book, Top Down Culture, Revolutionizing Leadership to Drive Results, and hosts the globally ranked Heartbeat for Hire podcast. 
Featured in Fortune and Authority Magazine, Dowd has also been a guest on over 50 podcasts and counting up, including ours, sharing her expertise and inspiring stories. I am so pleased to help welcome Miss Lindsay Dowd to the Wellness Driven Life Show stage. Welcome. Thanks for having me, April. It's such an honor to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. you. Got so many stories. You do your own show, so you you have all of this beautiful insight that really comes from the heart. So I'm really excited to dive deep into this conversation. So Lindsay, I would love to start by sharing with the audience a little bit more about you. Let's give them some background. Sure, sure, happy to. So, uh, like you said, I've been in corporate America for 25 years, and all of it was in sales and marketing. And 23 of those years, I was leading large sales teams for IBM. Um, I climbed the ranks. I started in customer service and was there until I was an executive. And it was just time for a change. So another company sought me out. They asked me to come over and run a team for them. And I knew it was going to be a challenge because all new things are. But I'm a maverick and a hustler and I was going to make it work. But in six months, they had other ideas and they fired me. And anyone that knows me knows that was never part of my plan. That was never something that was going to sit well with me. And in my mind, it was the gut punch heard around the world. Um, I was utterly just devastated. And I took about a month before I could even talk about it. And I asked myself three questions. And those three questions was, what am I really good at? What do I love to do? And how can I help people the most? And what I knew better than anyone was how to build leaders and how to create irresistible culture that drives results. I did it when I was at IBM. I did it for huge teams for them. And every time I did it, I created these incredibly infectious, really high-performing environments. So I took all that fire and I started my company, Heartbeat for Hire, and I've been speaking and coaching. And as you said, I started my podcast, um, which is now in the top 10% globally. And um, I wrote my book, Top Down Culture. And yeah, so that is what all of what I'm up to right now. Lindsay, that is incredible. I love the name Heartbeat for Hire, by the way. <laughs> if, you. if you hadn't noticed in the description, I concentrate a lot around that heart center topic yeah. for us today because I know that that's really where it stems. And I think it's so beautiful. And also, by the way, the fact that it only took you, what did you say, a month to really talk about it? Actually, I feel is a a pretty quick length of time because well, I wouldn't say I knew what I was doing in a month, but it gave me at least enough time to say, okay, I can't sit here and wallow forever. I've got yeah. to turn this pain into purpose. And so that's what I try to do. Well, I would say that you're more brilliant and resilient, excuse me, than I, because you know, I would say that things like that have taken me years yeah. to overcome to really, I mean, of course I kept moving forward and I kept doing things, but it's so easy to get stuck on yes. things, right? Where things are, are so devastating, where it, it literally, quite literally creates this identity shift because your life has been so altered. So I'd love to jump a little bit in that because yeah, sure. you, you seem to really have utilized that in the best way to the world. You, you, you shifted it, you changed it, you, you moved the perspective on things. So what was that like for you where you finally decided, okay, I'm going to show up a different way. 
Well, I, I think, you know, going from a corporate environment to becoming an entrepreneur is not an easy thing. No. I ran really big businesses for IBM, but that did not necessarily equip me for doing this gig on my own. So that was a big shift. And one I was not fully prepared for. And I will be the first one. And I was the first one to say in every leadership team I was on, I didn't have all the answers. I didn't know how to do everything. And you know what? No leader does. And mm. I, you come to the table saying, there's lots I don't know. It creates this openness and this space to learn and grow. And so I surrounded myself with a lot of really brilliant people. I really doubled down on LinkedIn. And I focused very hard on networking and figuring out who's doing it right. Who could I learn from? You know, who, who do I admire? And LinkedIn has really become such a powerful platform um, for me because that's where I find my clients. That's where I found my publisher. That's where I found a lot, a lot of my mm. business partners. Um, and it became just this platform of expertise, so much so I now actually teach a workshop on it. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't expect to do that. And I also didn't expect that I was going to do a podcast. But one of my mm. advisors like, you are so chock full of stories, you're going to do a podcast. And I looked at him and I was like, I'm not a journalist. What do I know about a podcast? He's like, go buy a microphone and we're going to start. It's so funny yeah. how people can see the things in you that you can't see yourself. I think that's beautiful. And you're correct. You know, the LinkedIn platform, it, it's same. And I don't even recall, I think maybe my husband might have come across you, but LinkedIn yeah, is... is yeah, it's the powerhouse to find the people that you yeah. want to be in the room with, that you want to do business with. And now the Wellness Driven Life Show, so much of our audience are people who really just want to expand and grow, mm. heal, and just improve themselves in so many aspects. But I feel that, you know, so much of the things that, Lindsay, you and I can bring to the table when you step into an entrepreneurial aspect. And regardless if you are or not, there are so many lessons and tidbits of information that are so powerhoused in that, that can be applied to personal growth, yeah. professional growth, all of the things. And you're right. When you step from corporate to entrepreneur, it is a fire hose to the face, <laughs> period, period. Yeah. It, it is not any easier, but here's the thing. Nothing in life is easy worth achieving, mm -hmm. right? If you have a goal, whether it's in the the business that you partake in, in the corporate world and the what you are loyal to as far as who you're mm -hmm. serving, you know, whether it's for somebody else or for yourself and you're advocating for whoever, whatever, all of these lessons and learnings and teachings can be applied. And so that's the beautiful thing. Well, and I think you hit on something and this was a real shift I started to see during the pandemic. You know, when we saw this big, great layoff of 2023, there was this moment where people were just kind of saying, I deserve better. And mm -hmm. I don't want to be in this yeah. quagmire of toxicity anymore. And I saw so many people leaving their jobs without even jobs to go to because they were just done. And what came out of that was this real intention around your life, designing your life. Now, 
I don't recommend the entrepreneur track for everyone. <laughs> it's not easy. And there's so much that you have to learn, like we said. There is. But there are also some amazing things that come out of it and some amazing lessons. I've learned when there are things that I'm really bad at, hire people to help you with those things. <laughs> yeah. You might not master them. Stick to the things you're really good at You're and you're going to learn. I mean, the first thing I did was build a website. I never built a website. I didn't think yeah. I knew how to do that. And an yeah. old boss of mine said, who built your website? I said, I did. She goes, how did you build that? I go, I have no idea. But I did it. And I did a podcast and I didn't know that I could do it. And I wrote a book and I didn't know that I could do that. Oh, and so beautiful. I've become really accustomed to being uncomfortable. Um, and that's yeah. where the growth happens. And I think yeah. for anybody, whether you're in a corporate role or you're doing an entrepreneur track, taking that moment to just reflect and say, yeah, this is uncomfortable, but can I get through it? And what's on the other side? Because that that's your moment of growth. And that vulnerability I shared with you about getting fired is pretty much what my whole podcast is about. Like all of the guests, Olympians and CEOs and professional athletes and Emmy winning journalists, they're all sharing their stories of vulnerability. Yeah. And it's my lens on leadership and culture. So I'm trying to demonstrate what good leadership looks like, what good culture looks like and resilience because I don't want people to just get stuck in that moment of fear and shame, which is really where I was for that month of just like, oh my God, who will ever hire me again? Discounting my 25 years of really cool stuff. And that is, you, you got to own all the things that you did. All of your accomplishments are yours. Mm. No one takes those away, whether you get fired or laid off, they're yours. Those are facts, not feelings. So you got to stick to those and own them. Lindsay, when we talk about the fear and the shame of yeah. the experiences that we have, and you're also talking about how you'll, you, you become vulnerable in sharing your story. And that's why you yeah. started the podcast and you interview many people such as we're doing just right now. Yeah. And it is within those stories. And I talk to a lot of people about that. It's, I feel that is really the powerhouse of how we, we bridge the human connection, how we yeah. inspire each other, because we can say me too. Yeah. And I mean, you have that relation. I think um, I, I met one of my business partners on LinkedIn and we loved this concept so much. We created the Sell Me Your Story workshop. And this is one of the things we teach. And that is sharing that vulnerable thing that happened to you or the worst thing that happened in your life. We're not focusing on the car crash, but we're focusing on the growth out of that. And that's what takes you from interesting to irresistible. People want to hear more. They want to really engage with you. And you set yourself apart because you've shared something that is unusual, something that demonstrates you're capable of learning, you're capable of incredible things. And it's just a very impactful way to introduce yourself to someone. I love that term, irresistible. And, you know, Let's let's to apply this as a, a personal growth aspect mm -hmm. and how when we decide to make the choice to expose ourselves vulnerably, yeah. I like to say, you know, that let, let's just take, for instance, how being on a stage is one of the top fears that we yeah. have as a human being. Why? I don't know. 
public speaking, if you want to get down to the root, it could be, you know, after generation, after generation, after generation, traditionally, historically, we were kind of burned at the stake for utilizing our voice for speaking out in public, right? And so that fear is just so innate that we, it's fear, period. And when we decide to step into that fear, which is not easy, but here's the secret. It's not easy for anyone Mm. at first, right? Well, it's when we step into it. Yeah. Yeah, You you, got to practice. And, you know, that example of, you know, telling your vulnerable story, the first time you do it is going to feel crazy. It's going to feel scary. You're going to feel naked, exposed. Oh my gosh, people are going to judge me for sharing this. But I just got to tell my story to a group of people recently in an in-person networking event. And I hadn't been able to do that really since I started my company. I've done lots of one-on-one, but not so much in person. And the reception I got was so delightful. I was so surprised and so encouraged that I was doing something that was good. And they were pretty excited about it. And they were kind of marveling at all I had done. Meanwhile, I'm kind of like, I haven't done enough. There's so much more I've got to do. Mm. Um, but when you when you get yourself out of that comfort zone and you're just willing to try, when you look back on it and you say, oh my gosh, look what I did. It's, it's pretty refreshing. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. Lindsay, talk to me more about that. What, what you just said, how you feel that I'm not doing enough. And, and it's so impressive to me that when we are doing these incredible, great things, how easy it is for us to feel like I I don't, I'm not doing enough. And, but it's just this thing. And, and I have all of these other things to do, to accomplish, to, Mm -hmm. to be, you know, to create and to enjoy and to help and serve. What is that like for you? And how do you, how do you address that feeling? I think the first thing that you have to remind yourself is everyone's yardstick is different and you cannot compare yourself. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, I was on a podcast a week or so ago and this woman has 3 million listeners a month. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be incredible. I'm going to be on her show. And she was lovely, but completely different style than mine not Mm -hmm. as polished, not like totally different. And I'm like, she's doing that, but she's been at it for 11 years. So maybe that's what got her. Who knows what got her there? Uh, Bravo that she got there. I cannot compare my 70 episodes to her hundreds of episodes and expect the same result. Mm. We have to stop saying my success is determined by someone else's accolades. That's just not going to work. And everybody's journeys are different. Everybody's accomplishments are different. And you have to kind of, when you're focusing on telling your story, I always tell all my clients, these are facts, not feelings. Get comfortable talking about the facts. It's totally cool for you to say you were rep of the year two years in a row, or you hit your number 18 quarters in a row. Like those are facts. You're not bragging. You've done these things. Stand proud. And I think when you start to share that story and you start to get used to sharing it, you kind of realize, oh, wait, 
I'm pretty great. This is cool. And I think women especially do our, we do ourselves such a disservice. We're like, I don't really like talking about myself. I hear this all the time. Like, oh my God, stop. We have to stop doing that. We have to get so much more comfortable with these are facts, not feelings. I've done these mm -hmm. things and I am qualified. You know, we, we've heard, we've all heard the stats that, you know, men are, 60% qualified for a job and they go for it. And women are like, I'm 80% qualified. I don't know if I should. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so wrong. Just go for it. Yeah. I think I, I just, yeah. I think people cut themselves short or sell themselves short and you cannot constantly compare yourself to everybody else. You are your own person and you're, you're on your own journey. You just got to embrace it. Yeah, absolutely. And Lindsay, that hits so close to home when you talk about what it's like as a podcaster, talk show host, or what have you, when you're in comparison with somebody else. And so, of course, that hits close to home because this is the Wellness Driven Life Show, which it, it's easy to do that. And yet, you, you know, it does. It takes time. I like to say that uh, <laughs> that over or what do I say? Overnight success takes 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Takes 10 years. It takes a you while. Know? It does. It does. And you have to allow yourself that grace. And you're 100% where statistically, absolutely, women do not portray themselves the way that men do. If you take an application, for instance, and you compare a woman's to a man's, a man is going to say, oh yeah, I can do this and this, and these are all my skills. And a woman is not going to list those skills, even though she's perfectly capable yeah. of, of navigating those and learning those right off the bat. But that's usually what men do where they don't have the skills, but they know they can learn them quickly. So they'll list yeah. them and yeah. they'll just apply that. And it's fascinating that, that we do that, that we think so differently in those cases. It makes me sad that we do that because I just think we're missing out on opportunities. And I think I, it's helpful to have the knowledge of it though. Yeah. I think that when I was aware that that is a common thing that separates us from men. When I became aware that you could even do that, mm -hmm. that I could put on an application that I have these skills and yeah, speak well, the truth in advance, right? Yeah. It is a game changer, a game changer, because I feel too what women tend to do is that we want to speak in such absolute truth. Right. When we are fully capable of performing at these high level standards where we learn quickly, where we're able to perform in whatever capacity you ask us to. You know, I, I, do, an, I do an exercise with my clients and we, we build a pros and cons list. And the pros and cons list is all the things you've ever loved on the pros side, every job you ever had, every skill you ever learned that you really, really enjoy and would love doing again. And on the con side, it's everything you never want to do again. And when you have that list in front of you and you compare it to a job description, and you start to categorize all the things they're asking for. Are there five things in the pros, in the pros column? And two things in the cons, good. If there's six things in the cons section and two things in the pro, it's not the right job. And I think people kind of have the shiny penny syndrome where they're like, I want to do that job because of the title and because of this. And, and they're mm -hmm. not seeing all of it. 
And that is a little dangerous because you'll find yourself in a job you're probably not going to really enjoy. I think that's a really good perspective and think something that we should really practice doing in so many regards to life, yeah. right? Oh, right. Yeah. The pros and the cons or, you know, how does it feel? A lot of us go into the feeling and the intuition, right? Does it feel heavy? Does it feel light? But mm. really start to learn what is it truly that we desire, that we love, what gets us curious and energized in order to, to really make that performance optimal for whatever area that we go into life. So Lindsay, what was the first time that you really discovered that there was a power in a pros and a cons list? So, um, it's so funny because, you know, when I started coaching clients, I, I was kind of, um, a coach for my whole career without, ever having the title coach, you know, when you're a leader, you're yeah. a coach anyway. And yeah. I came very much from the servant leadership mindset. So I was working for my team and, um, I, a lot of people lack clarity and that's really common. I, I lack it too, in certain instances. And when you have somebody that can kind of pull it out of you and say, Hey, wait a minute, do you like doing this? Do you like spreadsheets? No, I hate spreadsheets. So then why would you go for this job? Because it is so spreadsheet intensive. And it's more of like just pulling it out of people and mirroring back what they need to see for themselves. And that's the beautiful thing about a coach. And that's why I have so many athletes on my show, because the coach coachy um, model is so strong with athletes and they understand that working with a coach makes them better. Um, it makes them perform better. And it's such a great metaphor for business. But I really do think that providing that clarity for people, but they're doing it themselves. It's not like I'm just telling them things they don't know. They've already written it down. You're just kind of spelling it back for them in a way that they can kind of go, oh, you're right. This is not for me. Or wait a minute, this is for me. Uh, I just think it's such a, a great exercise um, to do. And I have a few more, but that one, that one really does help people get clarity. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Clarity is huge. It, it absolutely is, Lindsay. And now we we can shift the gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about micromanagement. That's something that you you like to talk about a little bit. So my curiosity leads to you do have that discussion when it comes to the topic of micromanagement. Mm -hmm. Now, have you experienced that as you've stepped into the entrepreneurial 
aspect of life for yourself? What what does micromanagement mean to you in both the corporate leadership aspect and the leadership of self? Yeah, so micromanagement is a very insecure style of leadership. It is a, it is a basically telling your team, I don't trust you. You cannot manage this process without my intervention. So I have to babysit mm-hmm. every step of the way. And I think I know that as a parent, uh, you can relate to this yeah, as a parent. <laughs> trust is your currency. So if you are not taking the time to build trust, you certainly don't have trust if you're a micromanager. I can tell you that for sure. Um, the, the, the boss that fired me was a deep micromanager. Mm. And she did not possess what I call power skills. Some people call soft skills, but anyone listening to this show, we're we're retiring soft skills. It's called power skills. (laughs) We had none of them. And she actually asked me things like, um, why do you care that people like you? I'm a leader. I have to create safe space. What do you mean? Why do I care why people like me? There's a reason 25 people are showing up to my five person team calls. Like, That's a good thing. You want your leaders to be trusted and liked. So she was very frustrated with me because I wouldn't get in the weeds with my team. I wanted my team to have autonomy. I wanted them to make decisions. I wanted to be able to remove obstacles for them, be an escalation point, be that coach or that role play person. I asked them a question and this micromanagers can't do this, but this one question is very important. And that question is, how can I be the best leader for you? When you ask that question, it is a very humbling question. And everybody that you ask is going to have a different answer based on age and tenure, career aspirations, goals. But when you have those answers, you can advocate for your team. You can build trust. You can meet them where they are. Now, I promise you, no micromanager has ever asked that question or will because they just don't understand the power in it. When you understand your people and you start to give them that autonomy and you build that trust, that's what inspires innovation, collaboration, competition, friendly competition. All the good things come out of that psychological safety and that moment of, I trust you. What ideas do you have? I don't have all the answers. What else can we do? And when you create that environment, that's when your performance will shoot through the roof. And it happened to me over and over and over again. It does not happen in a micromanagement environment. And I will tell you, I had a friend working at a very well-known high-tech company, SVP. She was supposed to be so deep in the weeds on $50,000 deals. She's an SVP with three levels below her, and they wanted her to spend her time knowing details of every deal. That is such a poor use of an incredible leader. It's just a shame. It is a shame. And I really love your term, Lindsay, of psychological safety. And the reason I love that is because when we talk about our innate needs as human beings, that is this, like, that's a base, right? Where we want to feel safe, secure, the shelter, all of those things, when those needs are met, we are able to open up and expand 
into our creativity yeah. zone, our aspect of that self. So yeah, hundred percent when you're in a leadership position, once you are able to present that to your team and you have that where they feel safe and secure and where they're able to open up to you, they are going to be more productive and more creative in turn. Yeah. It, it's such a, um, a powerful thing. And I once had an interviewer ask me, she said, I don't know if I like this psychological safety thing. I think it's, it's when you give your team that, it means they can just mail it in. And I said, it's actually the complete opposite of that. You are giving them the space to do things they've never done before. Yeah. And when I, when I did that with my teams, we built programs that no one had ever heard of, no one had ever thought of. We innovated and did our business. We ran our business away in a way that nobody could even fathom was possible. And we created such a reputation. I called my teams Mavericks and Hustlers. And I was like, we just do it differently over here. And I had people on either side of me that I was competing with. Well, not competing with, just other other brand leaders. And they're like, what are you doing over there? You have a storytelling program. Don't you know, like we're in tech. I'm like, that's why I have a storytelling program. And I had business partners that loved it, clients that loved it. And it was just a great way to communicate and differentiate ourselves. But none of that would have happened if my team didn't feel safe enough to take a risk and mm -hmm. taking those risks. And you as a leader saying, I've got your back. If, if this doesn't work, We'll mm. move on. We'll take the learnings and yeah. we'll move on from there. We're not going to lose the lesson. It's not all going to be perfect. It's not all going to be roses and sunshine, but let's try. And I think telling, I had a boss once who said, um, this was so powerful. I was explaining to her my strategy. She was a new boss. I had a huge account with $150 million quota. And I was like, I built this strategy. This is what I think I'm going to do. And I started to talk about it. And she stopped me and she said, girl, got your back. Now fly. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh, she, she believes in me. I, okay. And so I ran, to my, yeah. I ran to my team. I'm like, you guys, let's do it differently. What have we never tried? Who do we need to talk to? What relationships do we need to build? Let's think outside the box. And that confidence produced the largest deal we had ever done with this client. We all crushed our numbers, made a ton of money. It was an incredible moment, all stemming from that boost of confidence that I got from my boss. That's beautiful. So, cool. Yeah. Lindsay, what are some examples that you have or some of the things that you do with teams to create the consistency and the momentum of establishing that psychological safety? Yeah, I, I think this, um, you know, we talk about culture and culture is a feeling, which is which makes it a little hard for people to quantify. Um, but when you think about my book is called Top Down Culture for a Reason. If you are a leader who stands on tables and jumps up and down and embarrasses people and belittles people, you should never expect your culture to be any different than that behavior. Mm -hmm. And just like if you're going to yell at your children, don't, don't be surprised when they yell back. Um, you are modeling the behavior you want to see. However, culture belongs to everyone. So if you are, you know, kibitzing over at the water cooler and you're whining and complaining that you don't like something, you are part of the problem. If you come to the table with solutions and you're a leader that says, okay, we, there are things that are broken. What ideas do you have? That changes the way you communicate. It changes the way 
that you relate as a group. But what you have to understand is you cannot be what you cannot see. And that's why I told so many stories in my book. That's why I do the podcast, because I understand not everyone has had a great leader. So they need examples of what good leadership looks like. Sorry, puppies joining. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's just so important that people understand there are better ways to lead than what they've maybe felt before or seen on TV or movies like Wall Street. <laughs> There's yeah. so many other ways to do this in a positive, heart-centered way. And I don't want to give the impression that this is all kumbaya and singing and holding hands. I had to deliver plenty of tough messages. I had to lay people off. I had to let people go. And when you do that, and you are known as a generous heart-centered leader, those messages come a little easier. I swore I never was gonna get good at laying people off and I still don't think I'm good at it. I don't ever wanna be good at it because I don't like yeah. changing people's life in that way. But when you are consistent and you share the spotlight and you use recognition and you create that psychological safety, people are much more willing to raise their hand and try new things, to say, you know, hey, I want to take on a project. Can you give me some responsibility? And that's really exciting when that happens. Ah, that's a beautiful thing. Lindsay, what are you most passionate when it comes to leadership? What, what really is, is the most passionate aspect that you have in regards to the leadership arena? I think there's a concept that People think they have to know everything when they come into a leadership job. And especially if it's a senior leadership role, they're so worried. Every, everyone has imposter syndrome. I don't care who you are. President, The president has imposter syndrome. Everybody does. And as soon as you understand that and embrace that, you're in a much better position to set yourself up for success. And one of the things that I love to do is... Whenever I came into a new role, I had a, a friend who used this quote the other day. He said, when you're a leader coming into a new team, you're entering someone else's house. And I thought, oh, gosh, it's such a great way to describe that. And so what mm -hmm. I would do is find some allies and say, what's the political landscape? What's working? What, what do you guys hate? What, what is, you know, what was something you all loved? Tell me about the climate. What are the things you would love to have now? Now, that's basically taking into consideration the world they've all been living in. There's nothing worse than having a leader come in and say, I'm the new sheriff's in town. We're doing it my way. Everyone mm -hmm. feels rattled and unsure, and they don't know if they can trust you. But when you come at it from a vulnerable place of, I don't have all the answers. Tell me what you guys are doing really well, because I want to build on that. I don't want to start from scratch. Who would? Um, but I think leaders come to the table thinking, okay, I've got to have all my ducks in a row. I've got to have my plan. I got to know exactly what I'm going to do. How could you know what to do? There's so much you have to learn and there's people you have to learn and processes and conflict and, and politics. It's all part of the process. So the other thing is if you've been the kind of leader who's been an ogre or who's been very tough your entire career, asking that person to be vulnerable that is not an easy thing for them. That is, that is really hard. And, mm. you know, I, I have that understanding. I had a lot of those leaders growing up in tech 
and especially in a very heavily male dominated environment, you know, there was not a lot of empathy and compassion and heart centered leadership. So I've certainly seen the worst. <laughs> I've lived through a lot of horror stories. But when you teach them how to come at it from that one question, I said, because that's an easy place to start. I think there's some things I, I'd like to work on. How can I be the best leader for you? Yeah, that's a great entry point. And you're going to start to slowly build trust. And you're going to be in a position to receive feedback. And when you receive feedback, be gracious. Just the gift. Don't fight it. Just listen to it. Because if you're getting Mm. that feedback, it's happening for a reason. So learn Mm -hmm. from it. Mm, I think that's a really powerful point that you bring up, Lindsay. Feedback is a gift. And so when we have that understanding of we're we're more open to accepting it and learning and growing from it and wanting to improve from that feedback, because there, there are many people that become very defensive right away when they receive the feedback. Yeah. And, and. I, I don't feel like that's a good show well, it crushes of your psychological world. safety. I mean, it, yeah. it basically takes it away. It and does. as soon as you, as soon as you say, stop, I don't want to hear it. They're going to pull back and be like, then I'm never giving you any feedback again. And I'm right. never sharing anything with you again. Cause you aren't, a, you aren't a place that can receive what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. So that's modeling behavior too. Right. And I feel like how often does it come from a place of love? Right. Mm -hmm. When you give constructive feedback to somebody, Mm -hmm. you want to see them improve. You want to see them grow. You want to see them show up in the world the best that they can. So let me hit on something here because this is really important. If someone says, can I offer some feedback? It's always bad news because (laughs) they never ask you if it's good news. If it's good news, they're just going to blurt it out and tell you how awesome you are. So that can be super triggering when someone says, yeah. you know, can I offer some feedback? Because it's like, okay, buckle up. Here comes the criticism. Instead, try. Hopefully you've built some trust. If you've built some trust, then you can ask this question. But the question is, how do you think that went? Mm, and that's that beautiful. can say, well, I think I did this really well. Um, I might've been a little light on this piece. I think I need to do some more role play on that piece. Would you help me with that? You're coming at it with some self-awareness. It's a coaching opportunity where everyone learns more by self-actualization, self-realization than they would someone telling them what to do. So when you put it on them, how do you think that went? Now, if they're completely delusional, they'll be like, I'm freaking awesome. It was great. Yeah, and that's not super productive. But ideally, if there's some trust in play, that's a good question you can ask instead no, of can I offer some feedback? It's a beautiful way to to open up a conversation because it really invites that person to yeah. have the idea stemmed initially, yeah. and it opens them up to asking you your opinion. Because oftentimes I feel that people do that. What did you think? Mm-hmm. And and then it's not an attack, and it really is stemmed from them, and they have started the conversation. So I think that is really wonderful feedback. Thank you so much for sharing yeah, that with us. I want to gears just a little bit, because Mm. you have shared something with, with me previous to the show. It was on, uh, during your, 
scheduling with the wellness driven mm-hmm. life show where you notated that you had this near death experience. And I would love if you're open to it, shed sure. some light on what that was, because you said that it really shift shift and change yeah. the trajectory of life after that. Yeah. I think anybody that has had a near death experience will tell you their life changed afterwards. They live a more intentional life as a result. But in my situation, um, this was back in 2005, um, I had a near fatal asthma attack and um, I had been progressively getting sicker uh, over the course of the year. And anyone that has asthma, the rule of thumb is if you need your rescue meds more than twice a week, um, you need to change your control meds. Well, I wasn't mm-hmm. seeing the right doctors. I wasn't on the right control meds. I wasn't on any control meds, but I was using my nebulizer like three times a day. I was very, wow. very sick. And I was in massive denial and deeply depressed because I wasn't getting diagnosed properly. And um, so I was flying to go see a customer, even though I was super sick. And I um, drove into, I live in Boston. I drove into Logan parking garage. And between the time I got my ticket and the time I was in my, my spot, I was in a full-blown asthma attack. And I knew I only had enough time to either call 911 or use my nebulizer. And um, I called 911. They could barely understand me. And um, lucky for me, I was in in front of a wall next to a chain link fence, not in a well-lit area at all, but some stranger came and knocked on my window. And um, the 911 dispatch said, give him your phone. And the last thing I remembered was handing him my phone. And then I went out and they estimated that I was six minutes without oxygen. Um, I was intubated in the garage um, and then brought to Mass General. And they said they have never revived anyone in my condition. They don't have an explanation for why I'm still alive and intact. Um, So it was I definitely had the full near death experience and um, that's a whole nother thing, but I will tell you um, it is, it's really amazing and weird to wake up to a sea of people staring at you like this. And I'm (laughs) looking at my husband going, who are are these people and why are they looking at me? Like they know me. He goes, well, they know everything about you. They've been working on you for a week. And I said, I've never seen them before in my life. And he's like, well, they know who you are because they've been keeping you alive. And it's yeah. it's super strange. And it's also really um, incredible to see the outpouring of love and the people that wanted you to stay on this side of the dirt. Um, got a lot of a lot of lovely notes and calls and um, incredible emails for my family, my husband and and of course for me. But it definitely changes the way you go through life. You don't sweat the small stuff as much. And mm. um, of course, you're still going to have your your moments of getting fired and horrible things that will happen mm. to you. Um, but it definitely made me a lot more relaxed about things. And for anybody that is scared of dying, don't be. It's easy. <laughs> it's the recovery that's hard. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's a great point. The recovery that's hard. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. And I love that you share that with us because I, I, well, I, I believe that we're energetic beings, right? There's more than this physical aspect to us. And yes, it's not going to change anything so drastically that your, your life is going to improve and you're not going to go through hardships based on the experience of the afterlife. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet it gives you that different perspective of 
yes, I, I'm more comfortable with it because I yeah. know there's something else mm -hmm. and I feel that and I feel more of this expansion of love and I'm more relaxed and I don't sweat the small stuff. And we've had a few people on the show that have experienced that before and it's similar things and similar feedbacks that you yeah. do hear. And so I always love sharing that and the journeys because I feel that with your, your experience, you're able to showcase something to us that mm -hmm. is, is reassuring. And we go into that assurance, the safety, the calm, the reassurance yeah. sort of perspective. Well, and I think when you go through something like that, um, I've always really wanted to live with intention. I, I live with my heart. I kind of put my heart into everything that I do. And so it was natural for me to go in this direction. Who knew I was going to land here? But regardless, it was it was a natural progression for me to continue doing this kind of work. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it really showed me how important having purpose is. And for me, teaching leaders how to do a better job and how to really revolutionize leadership. That's so important to me. So anytime I have an opportunity to share and to model and to, you know, explain what it's supposed to feel like, what it's supposed to look like, I think I'm doing something good. I'm trying. So that's, that's what I, if I have to, if I have a legacy, that was, that's part of what I'd like it to be that I've put out some good in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just for curiosity's sake, Lindsay, was there anything profound that you recall during that experience? Yeah, yeah so I'll, I'll, I'll say this, and I, I kind of joke about this, so hopefully it doesn't offend anyone, but I was raised Jewish, so I, you know, people are like, you know, did you see Jesus? Seeing a man, a bearded man in a dress was not going to be in my, um, <laughs> my reference. So for me, what I experienced was um, I was going to a party, like a really beautiful party. And I had a phenomenally great dress. And um, I was walking into this party and it was, I wouldn't say it was quiet. It was just a different, it was just a cool energy. And the, the, I say people, but they really didn't have faces. It was just kind of energy. Um, there were there was someone there with a list, and I approached the the entry point to go into the party, and they looked at the list and they said, "Nope, it's you can't come in." And so they <laughs> turned me around and sent me back. And um, my my dog had just passed away a month prior, and I saw her, and I saw mm -hmm. my old roommate Emmy, who had passed away. And so I definitely um, got to see them. But that was that was my experience. And then I'll just add, I was on an incredible amount of hallucinogenics. So a lot of weird stuff happened that has nothing to do with that, like water skiing in a mud puddle and like swimming in a palazzo of cheese, like things like that were just very strange. Um, but that that was my one really big moment of it's not your time. You, you've just got to go back. And I so think, just, yeah. yeah, I think that anything is possible in the quantum realm, right? Yeah. You know, skiing on mud, etc. <laughs> and I, I think that's beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing that with us because, yeah. uh, you know, we we are all so highly curious about what's on the other side when we lift the veil, right? Yeah. So to speak. And so, and, and it, it too is reassuring animals are 
man, they're like our, our spirit guides. They are, are here for so much benefit to us. And I think it's beautiful that you saw your dog. Yeah. I love hearing that. And yeah, to it's, it's not your time yet. It's not, I had more to do to come to the party, but guess what? There's a party for when it's time. Yeah, for sure. For That's sure. Cool. And you used one of my favorite, favorite words. And this is one of my favorite words as for leaders too. And that's curious. Stay yeah. curious. Always be asking questions. There's always more to know. There's always more to learn. And I think that's made me a better podcast host because you want to know more about your guests. Yeah. You want them to share. Um, but whenever you're a leader and you can consistently ask questions, you're always going to make yourself better. Yeah, I think you referenced that too in the beginning where, you, you know, not being afraid to ask the questions like, you know, mm-hmm. we, you know, from, from early on in grade school on up, if we've had a negative experience when we have raised our hand to ask a question and then we felt like our question wasn't accepted, it was dumb mm-hmm. or what have you, and it shuts people down. But yeah. it, the, the opposite is true where we, we truly can, there's no stupid question, right? Mm-hmm. Although sometimes I do think, oh my gosh, that was such a silly question. But, you know, don't have that concept and really be open to it. It doesn't matter what question it is. It's a question that's going to help me personally learn and grow no matter what anybody else thinks. And so I I think that that's great. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for sharing that. And so let's talk a little bit more about the podcast that you have. You've had an amazing number of guests on your show. So yes. I always like to ask a fellow fellow podcaster to the other, who has been on your show that has inspired you the most? Oh my God. That's such a hard question. It's a very I mean, hard question. My, my guests are not fair. Oh, my I can answer it myself. Incredible. I mean, I, I have a few. Um, one who's my my dear friend, Siri Lindley. She's a world champion yeah. triathlete. And her story, I mean, I'll give you the 10 cent tour. She was at Brown. She had just come out to her father. He had rejected her. Um, she was deeply, deeply depressed, severe OCD, like flipping light switches a hundred times. Um was not well and went and watched a triathlon for the first time. And she was so incredibly inspired by it. She said, I'm going to do that. Siri didn't know how to swim. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in six years, she became a world champion, not once, but she did it twice. And she was just inducted into the world champion, uh, world, world world champion triathlete hall of fame. She beat cancer and had a 2% odd of survival. Um, so it doesn't get more inspiring than Siri, although I shouldn't say that there's lots of that on my show. Um, but she's just an incredible example and a great friend. And she's one of Tony Robbins favorite speakers. Yeah, I can agree with you. And Morris says she too has been on this platform and very inspiring woman. Yeah. I love that she has been inducted in the hall of fame. I mean, she She deserves deserves it it. hands down. And to to be able to showcase your journey and your life on Tony Robbins stage is, yeah. is something as well because yeah. she gets to share that light with so many people. It gives her access to more exposure than she probably ever could have yeah. thought of. And and I, I do love her story. I've read her first book. She's got two books out now. Yeah. So the first one is really her journey into stepping into that world champion twice. Mm-hmm. 
And the second one is her journey through cancer and getting through that. And a lot of people, uh, I, I just, I just would say, check out her story because it yeah. is very, very inspiring. And I would agree with you, Lindsay. It's, 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 that's not a fair question to ask. I, no. I just need to not ask that question, but I maybe said differently. Right. But because when you start to interview other people, you get so much passion and story oh, and brilliance and resilience that shines through this and and they're all well beautiful and, and when people on guard. when people ask me you know recommend a couple episodes that you think I would like it becomes this, okay, that's you. So you would like this one and this one, and you would really like to listen to Sam Horn because she just wrote this book talking on eggshells. And, you know, it's really, I, I get very prescriptive with who should listen to what because yeah. they're all very different, but um, same theme, but uh, really, really different. And, yeah. uh, you know, I just love that it can be a lot of things to a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So Lindsay, now yeah. the next question, what is next for you? You're doing all of these fun things. You're working with corporate. You're inspiring people. You've got the show. What is the next passion project for you? So I want to continue doing the speaking engagements because as you know, I want to revolutionize leadership as we know it. And that's a great way to get the word out. So that will continue. I'm in the middle of this press tour for my book. So right now it's a lot of podcasts. It's a lot of articles. It's a lot of hopefully TVs coming soon. Um, so that's been really fun. But I think if you know the show Billions, there's a character on the show. Her name is Wendy Rhodes, and she is kind of the in-house performance coach slash shrink. I don't want to be the shrink, but I would really love to be the in-house leadership coach for either a VC firm or a conglomerate that has a lot of companies. And the reason I would like to do it that way is when you do it that way, you think of it this way. These VC firms are backing these companies with these incredible innovators who are just you know, geniuses and groundbreakers and um, really incredible minds, they're not the best leaders and they haven't mm. been taught good leadership. Yeah. And they're putting all these all this money into these companies. And the VC firms need to put a stamp, a, a good stamp out on the world. They need to be able to um, have that ESG moment, the environmental social governance kind of moment. And they don't necessarily think of themselves that way. So this makes them feel good, but it also protects their investment because they won't necessarily burn their people out. Um, and that's a very, very important thing when you're throwing money at a company, you need to keep your people. Um, and I don't think all of those leaders necessarily understand that. So that would be a, a giant step. Um, I don't, think it's been done before. So it's new. So I'm, I'm working on it. But yeah, I find that fascinating. I love it so much because <laughs> you're right. There are so many brilliant minds out there, so many game changes, innovators, and they have those certain sense of skills, right? Yeah. It's like a scientist. Yeah. And many scientists don't necessarily have that interpersonal mm -hmm. people skill Our right? skills, because right. they're so, they don't, they don't think that way. And that's okay yeah. because they bring this beauty and brilliance to the world in a different capacity. So yeah. 
you know, harnessing in on, on the skills that you have and also being able to learn from others to improve the yeah, skills yeah. that you lack in order to really bring the biggest impact to the world. So I love what you're creating. I think it's totally awesome. And maybe it has been done, maybe it hasn't, but the beautiful thing about that too, just like when you step into a you know, business or entrepreneur or whatever capacity you do in the world, there's not two people alike with mm -hmm. the same ideas, with the same, you know, vision and the same creative skills. So you're going to bring so much light into the world. And thank, thank you, you, Lindsay, so much for being our guest on the Wellness Driven Life Show. I'm going to make sure everyone knows where to find you, but I'd like to ask you first, is there anything else that you want to share with our audience today? Oh, I, you know what? I would just love it if people checked out the podcast and subscribed on YouTube. That's hugely meaningful. Um, I think for any entrepreneur, and I'm sure you know this, reviews and people showing up to the show and, and giving feedback is really, really impactful to the hosts and the people that are trying to build it. Um, so that's that's always appreciated. Um, if anybody needs any help with their LinkedIn, I certainly could help with that. I have a workshop coming up on November 15th. Um, and please connect with me on LinkedIn. I absolutely love having coffee chats and um, understanding people's journeys. Uh, I, you know, part of the way that I teach and the way I coach is through stories. So I collect stories, I collect people, and um, it's just such a joy to be building my network um, as I'm building this new entrepreneurial thing. Um, so yeah, and please check out my book. Here's the here's a copy, Top Down Culture. You can get it on Amazon. That's beautiful. And everyone, you can find that in the description below. I know we have a lot of listeners that get to see this beautiful visual piece, maybe on our YouTube channel, but also there's the podcast arena. So if you're listening in, you can always find our guest information in the description below with links where you can find out more. And yeah, hundred percent. Lindsay has her own show. Check out her channel. It is so key. I know that we have to, to tell people what it is that businesses need. It's kind of like Google reviews and how powerful that is for businesses out there. And yeah. when you have a YouTube channel, those subscribers and the watch hours, it those are something. all key. They're, they're huge and the engagement. So if you have questions, that being said, be sure to leave your comments in the comments section and do the same for Lindsay's channel. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it's, it's so powerful. In fact, I have this going across the screen that our channel just uh, reached over a, a thousand subscribers. And the reason, yes, it's something to be celebrated for sure, because you put in all of that love and all of that work and, yeah. you know, blood, sweat and tears, right. And a lot of heart and soul. Yeah. And it, it is one of the points for, for those of you who don't know, but the reason a thousand subscribers is a big deal is because it's one of the tiers that, creators need to meet in order to start monetizing their That's channel. And so big deal. And then the next year is the watch hour. So, uh, you know, you put your phone down, you put it on play and you're listening as you're doing dishes or you're walking the dog. That really is helpful. So thank you so much, Lindsay, for being this beautiful light. I'm excited. Aww. Your book is beautiful, by the way. It looks like it has a really cool gleam or sheen. Oh, I think now. it's just light, but <laughs> it's got well, a ripple. 
You know what I appreciate about that too is, and I call them coffee table books, although I don't know, somebody may have corrected me the other day, but I think that that is a nice statement because you can put it out and it's worth showcasing. It's worth Thank showing you. to the world that this is a beautiful creation and the contents within are really great. So I love what you're doing. I think it's Thank fabulous. You. It's very much in alignment with what we do here and sharing the stories is very powerful. So Congrats on an amazing show and getting to a thousand. That is such a big deal. So I'm so excited yeah. for you. It's, it's really great. Thank you. And, you know, all of the things that are really worth the effort, they, they will get there too. And that's so exciting. So I want to make sure, again, everybody knows where to find you. Heartbeatforhire.com. Super simple, super easy. Heartbeatforhire.com. It is also in the comment section below. And for all of you watching and supporting the show, we could not be here without you. So thank you so much for your continued support. And without further ado, goodbye for now. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Thanks for having me.